are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. Sapphire Planet. A star is a massive luminous sphere of plasma held together by its own gravity. The nearest star to Earth is the Sun, which is the source of most of the planet's energy. Some other stars are visible from Earth during the night, appearing as a multitude of fixed luminous points due to their immense distance. Historically, the most prominent stars were grouped into constellations and the brightest stars gained proper names. Extensive catalogs of stars have been assembled by astronomers which provide standardized star designations. For at least a portion of its life, a star shines due to thermonuclear fusion of hydrogen into helium in its core, releasing energy that traverses the star's interior and then radiates into outer space. Once the hydrogen in the core of a star is nearly exhausted, Almost all naturally occurring elements heavier than helium are created by stellar nucleosynthesis during the star's lifetime and, for some stars, by supernova nucleosynthesis when it explodes. Near the end of its life, a star can also contain degenerate matter. Astronomers 
can determine the mass, age, chemical composition, and many other properties of a star by observing its motions through space, luminosity, and spectrum, respectively. The total mass of a star is the principal determinant of its evolution and eventual fate. Other characteristics of a star, including diameter and temperature, change over its life, while the star's environment affects its rotation and movement. A plot of the temperature of many stars against their luminosities, known as a Hertzsprung-Russell diagram or an HR diagram, allows the age and evolutionary state of a star to be determined. A star's life begins with the gravitational collapse of a gaseous nebula of material composed primarily of hydrogen along with helium and trace amounts of heavier elements. Once the stellar core is sufficiently dense, hydrogen becomes steadily converted into helium through nuclear fusion, releasing energy in the process. The remainder of the star's interior carries energy away from the core through a combination of radiative and convective processes. The star's internal pressure prevents it from collapsing further under its own gravity. Once the hydrogen fuel at the core is exhausted, a star with at least 0.4 times the mass of the sun expands to become a red giant. In some cases, fusing heavier elements at the core or in shells around the core. Then, the star then evolves into degenerative form, recycling a portion of its matter into the interstellar environment, where it will contribute to the formation of a new generation of stars with a higher proportion of heavy elements. Meanwhile, the core becomes a stellar remnant, a white dwarf, a neutron star, or, if it's sufficiently massive enough, a black hole. Binary and multi-star systems consists of two or more stars that are gravitationally bounded and generally move around each other in stable orbits. When two such stars have a relatively close orbit, their gravitational interaction can have a significant impact on their evolution. Stars can form part of a much larger gravitational bound structure, such as a star cluster or galaxy. Historically, 
Stars have been important to civilizations throughout the world. They have been part of religious practices and used for celestial navigation and orientation. Many ancient astronomers believed that stars were permanently affixed to a heavenly sphere and they were immutable. By convention, astronomers grouped the stars into constellations and used them to track the motions of the planets and the inferred position of the sun. The motion of the sun against the background stars was used to create calendars, which could be used to regulate agricultural practices. The Gregorian calendar, currently used nearly everywhere in the world, is a solar calendar based on the angle of the Earth's rotational axis relative to its local star, which is the Sun. The oldest accurately dated star chart appears in the ancient Egyptian astronomy in the year 1534 BC. The earliest known star catalogs were compiled by the ancient Babylonian astronomers of Mesopotamia in the late 2nd millennium BC during the Kassite period, roughly between the years 1531 and 1155 BC. The first star catalog in Greek astronomy was created by Aristilus in approximately 300 BC with the help of Timocharis. The star catalog of Hippocharis in the 2nd century BC included 1,020 stars and was used to assemble Ptolemy's star catalog. Hippocaris is known for the discovery of the first recorded nova or new star. Many of the constellations and star names in use today derive from Greek astronomy. In spite of the apparent immutability of the heavens, Chinese astronomers were aware that a new stars could appear. In 185 AD, they were the first to observe and write about a supernova, now known as the Supernova 185, the brightest stellar event in recorded history was the supernova 1006, which was observed in the year 1006 AD, and written about by the Egyptian astronomer Ali Ibn Ridwan and several Chinese astronomers. The supernova 1054, which gave birth to the Crab Nebula, was also observed by Chinese and Islamic astronomers. Medieval Islamic astronomers gave Arabic names to many of the stars 
that are still used today. And they invented numerous astronomical instruments that could compute the position of the stars. They built the first large observatory research institute, mainly for the purpose of producing Zij star calendars. Among these, the books of fixed stars in, nine, in the year 964 was written by the Persian astronomer Abd al-Rahman al-Sufi, who observed a number of stars, star clusters, including the Omicron, Valorum, and Brachy cluster, and galaxies, including the Andromeda galaxy. According to Zahur in the 11th century, the Persian polymath scholar Abu Rahan Biruni described the Milky Way galaxy as a multitude of fragments having the properties of nebulous stars and also gave the latitudes of various stars during a lunar eclipse in the year 1019. According to Joseph Pig, the Andalusian astronomer Ibrahim Bajah, they proposed that the Milky Way galaxy was made up of many stars, which almost touched one another, and appeared to be continuous image due to the effect of refraction from sublunial material. Citing his observation, of the conjunction of Jupiter and Mars in the year 1106 AD as evidence. Early European astronomers such as Tycho Brahe identified new stars in the night sky, later termed Nova, suggesting that the heavens were not immutable. In 1584, Giordano Bruno suggested that stars were like the sun and may have other planets, possibly even Earth-like, in orbit around them, an idea that had been suggested earlier by the ancient Greek philosophers Democritus and Epicurus, and by medieval Islamic cosmologists such as Far al-Din al-Razi. By the following century, the idea of stars being the same as the sun was reaching a consensus among astronomers. To explain why these stars exerted no net gravitational pull on the solar system, Isaac Newton suggested that the stars were equally distributed in every direction. An idea promote prompted by the theologian Richard Bentley. The Italian astronomer Germanio Montari recorded observing variations in luminosity of the star Algol in 1667. Edmund Haley published the first measurements of the proper motion of a pair of nearby fixed stars demonstrating that they had changed positions from time 
of the ancient Greek astronomers Ptolemy and Hipparchus. William Herschel was the first astronomer to attempt to determine the distribution of stars in the sky. During the 1780s, he performed a series of gauges in 600 directions and counted the stars along each line of sight. From this, he deduced that the number of stars steadily increased towards one side of the sky in the direction of the Milky Way core. His son John Herschel repeated this study in the Southern Hemisphere and found a corresponding increase in the same direction. In addition to his other accomplishments, William Herschel is also noted for his discovery that some stars do not merely lie along the same line of sight, but are also physical companions that form binary stars. The science of stellar spectroscopy was pioneered by Joseph von Fraunhofer and Angelo Sicci. By comparing the spectra of stars, such as Cirrus to the Sun, they found differences in the strength and number of their absorption lines. The dark lines in the stellar spectra due to the absorption of specific frequencies by the atmosphere. In 1865, Sicci began classifying stars into spectral types. However, the modern version of the stellar classification scheme was developed by Anne J. Cannon during the 1900s. The first direct measurement of the distance to a star, 61 Cygna at 11.4 light years, was made in the year 1838 by Frederick Bessel using the parallax technique. Parallax measurements demonstrated the vast separation of the stars in the heavens. Observation of double stars gained increasing importance during the 19th century. In 1834, Frederick Bessel observed changes in the proper motion of the star Sirius and inferred a hidden companion. Edward Pickering discovered the first spectroscopic binary in the year 1899 when he observed the periodic splitting of several spectral lines of the star Mizar in a 104-day period. Detailed observations of many binary star systems were collected by astronomers such as William Struve and S.W. Burnham, allowing the masses of stars to be determined from computation of the orbital elements. The first solution to the problem of deriving an orbit of binary stars from telescope observations 
was made by Felix Savare in 1827. The 20th century saw increasing rapid advances in the scientific study of stars. The photograph became a valuable astronomical tool. Carl Schwarzschild discovered that the color of a star, and hence its temperature, could be determined by comparing the visual magnitude against the photographic magnitude. The development of the photoelectric photometer allowed very precise measurements of magnitude at multiple wavelength intervals. In 1921, Albert A. Michelson made the first measurement of stellar diameter using an inframeter on the Hooker telescope. Important theoretical work on the physical structure of stars occurred during the first decades of the 20th century. In 1913, the Hertzsprung-Russell diagram was developed propelling the astrophysical study of stars. Successful models were developed to explain the interiors of stars and stellar evolution. Cecilia Payne Gebonchkin first proposed that stars were made primarily of hydrogen and helium in her 1925 PhD thesis. The spectrum of stars were further understood through advances in quantum physics. This allowed the chemical composition of the stellar atmosphere to be determined. With the exception of supernova, individual stars have primarily been observed in our local group of galaxies, and especially in the visible part of the Milky Way. But some stars have been observed in the M100 galaxy of the Virgo cluster, about 100 million light years from Earth. In the local supercluster, it is possible to see star clusters, and current telescopes could, in principle, observe faint individual stars in the local cluster. However, outside the local supercluster of galaxies, neither individual stars nor clusters of stars have been observed. The only exception is a faint image of a large star cluster containing hundreds of thousands of stars located at a distance of one billion light years, ten times further than the most distant star cluster previously observed. The concept of the constellation was known to exist during the Babylonian period. Ancient sky watchers imagined that prominent arrangements of stars form patterns, and they associated these with particular aspects of nature or their myth. Twelve of these formations lay along the band of the ecliptic 
and these became the basis of astrology. Many of the more prominent individual stars were also given names, particularly with Arabic or Latin designations. As well as certain constellations and the sun itself, individual stars have their own myths. To the ancient Greeks, some stars, known as planets, which is Greek for wanderer, represented various important deities from which the names of the planets Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn were taken. Uranus and Neptune were also Greek and Roman gods, but neither planet was known in antiquity because of their low brightness. Their names were assigned by later astronomers. circa 1600 the names of constellations were used to name the stars in the corresponding region of the sky the German astronomer Johann Bayer created a series of star maps and applied Greek letters as designation to the stars in each constellation later a numbering system based on the star's right ascension was invented and added to John Flamsteed's star catalog in his book Historia Coletus Britannia, the 1712 edition, whereby this numbering system came to be called Flamsteed designation or Flamsteed numbering. The only internationally recognized authority for naming celestial bodies is the International Astronomical Union, or the IAU. A number of private companies sell name of stars, which the British Library calls unregulated commercial enterprise. However, the IAU has disassociated itself from commercial practice, and these names are neither recognized by the IAU nor used by them. One, starts, one such star naming company is the International Star Registry, which, during the 1980s, was accused of deceptive practice for making it appear that the assigned name was official. The now discontinued International Star Registry practice was informally labeled a scam and a fraud, and the New York City Department of Consumer Affairs issued a violation against them for engaging in a deceptive trade practice. Although stellar parameters can be expressed in SI units or CGS units, it is often most convenient to express mass, luminosity, and radii in solar units based on the characteristics of our sun. Large lengths, such as radiuses of a giant star or the semi-major axis of a binary star system, are often expressed 
in terms of astronomical units, or AUs, approximately the mean distance between the Earth and the Sun, which is 150 million kilometers, or 93 million miles. Stars are formed within the extended regions of higher density in the interstellar medium, although the density is still lower than the inside of a vacuum chamber. These regions are called molecular clouds and consist mostly of hydrogen, with about 23 to 28% helium and a few percentage of heavier elements. One example of such a star-forming region is the Orion Nebula. As massive stars are formed from molecular clouds, they powerfully illuminate those clouds. They also ionize the hydrogen, creating an H2 region. All stars spend the majority of their lives as main sequence stars fueled primarily by the nuclear fusion of hydrogen into helium within their cores. However, stars of different masses have markedly different properties at various stages in their lives. The ultimate fate of most massive stars is different from that of less massive stars as it is in their luminosity and the impact they have on the environment. Therefore, stars are very often grouped by mass. Very low-mass stars with masses below 0.5 solar masses do not enter the asymptotic giant branch but evolve directly into white dwarfs. Low-mass stars, including our Sun, with a mass of about 0.5 and below, and about 1.8 to 2.2 solar masses, depending on the composition, do not enter the AGB, where they develop a degenerate helium core. Intermediate mass stars undergo helium fusion and develop a degenerate carbon-oxygen core. Massive stars have a minimum mass of 7 to 10 solar masses, but this may be as low as 5 to 6 lower masses. These stars undergo carbon fusion with their lives ending in a core-collapsing supernova explosion. The formation of a star begins with gravitational instability within a molecular cloud caused by regions of higher density, often triggered by shock waves from nearby supernova, the collision of different molecule clouds, or the collision of galaxies. Once a region regions a sufficient density of matter to satisfy the criteria for genes and stability, 
it begins to collapse under its own gravitational force. As the cloud collapses, individual conglomerates of dense dust and gas form what we are known as Bach globules. As the globule collapses and the density increases, the gravitational energy is converted into heat and the temperature rises. When the protostellar cloud has approximately reached the stable condition of hydrostatic equilibrium, a protostar forms at the core. These pre-main sequence stars are often surrounded by a protoplanetary disk and powered mainly by the release of gravitational energy. The period of gravitational contraction lasts about 10 to 15 million years. Early stars of less than two solar masses are called T Tauri stars, while those with greater mass are Herbig AEBE stars. These newly born stars emit jets of gas along their axis of rotation which may reduce the angular momentum of the collapsing star and result in small patches of nebulosity known as Herbig-Haro objects. These jets, in combination with radiation from nearby massive stars, may help to drive away the surrounding cloud from which the star was formed. Earlier in their life, Titari stars follow the Heyshik track. They contract and decrease in luminosity while remaining at roughly the same temperature. Less massive T-Tauri stars follow this track to the main sequence while more massive stars turn onto the Heyek track. Stars spend about 90% of their lifetime fusing hydrogen into helium in high temperature and high pressure reactions near the core. Such stars are said to be on the main sequence and are called dwarf stars. Starting at zero age main sequence, the proportion of helium in a star's core will steadily increase the rate of nuclear fusion at the core will slowly increase as well, as will the star's temperature and luminosity. The sun, for example, is estimated to have increased in luminosity by about 40% since it reached the main sequence 4.6 billion years ago. Every star generates a stellar wind of particles that causes a continual outflow of gas into space. For most stars, the mass lost is negligible. The Sun loses 10 to the minus 14th solar mass every year, or about 0.01% of its total mass over its entire lifespan. However, very massive stars can lose 10 to the negative 7th to 10 to the negative 5th solar masses each year significantly affecting their evolution. 
Stars that begin with more than 50 solar masses can lose over half their total mass while on this main sequence. The duration that a star spends on the main sequence depends primarily on the amount of fuel it has to fuse and the rate at which it fuses that fuel. For example, its initial mass and its luminosity. For the Sun, its life is estimated to be about 10 billion years. Massive stars consume their fuel very rapidly and are short-lived. Low-mass stars consume their fuel very shortly and very slowly. Stars less massive than 0.25 solar masses, called red dwarfs, are able to fuse nearly all of their mass as fuel while stars of about one solar mass can only use about 10% of their mass as fuel. The combination of their slow fuel consumption and relatively large usable fuel supply allow stars about 0.25 times the mass of the Sun to last for about 1 trillion years according to the stellar evolution calculations while the least massive hydrogen fusing stars which are 0.08 solar masses will last for about 12 trillion years at the end of their lives red dwarfs simply become dimmer and dimmer however since the lifespan of such stars is greater than the current age of the universe which is at 13.8 billion years no stars under about 0.85 solar masses are expected to have moved off of the main sequence besides mass the elements heavier than helium can play a significant role in the evolution of stars. In astronomy, all elements heavier than helium are considered a metal, and the chemical concentration of the elements of these elements is called the metallicity. The metallicity can influence the duration that a star will burn its fuel, control the formation of magnetic fields, and modify the strength of the stellar wind. Older population two stars have substantially less metallicity than the younger population one stars due to the composition of molecular clouds from which they formed. Over time, these clouds become increasingly enriched in heavier elements as older stars die and shed portions of their atmosphere. Then there's the post-main sequence. As stars of at least 0.4 solar masses exhaust their supply of hydrogen at their core, their outer layers expand greatly and cool to form a red giant. In about 5 billion years, when the Sun enters this phase, it will expand to a minimum radius 
of roughly one astronomical unit, or 250 times its present size. As a giant, the Sun will lose roughly 30% of its current mass. In a red giant, up to 2.25 solar masses, hydrogen fusion proceeds in a shell surrounding the core. Eventually the core is compressed enough to start helium fusion, and the star now gradually shrinks in radius and its surface temperature increases. For larger stars, the core region transitions directly from fusing hydrogen to fusing helium. After the star has consumed the helium at the core, fusion continues in a shell around the hot core of carbon and oxygen. The star then follows an evolutionary path that parallels the original red giant phase, but at a higher surface temperature. During their helium burning phase, very high mass stars with more than nine solar masses expand to form red supergiants. Once this fuel is exhausted at the core, they continue to fuse elements heavier than helium. The core contracts until the temperature and pressure are sufficient to fuse carbon. The process continues with the successive stages being fueled by neon, oxygen, and silicon. Near the end of the star's life, fusion continues along a series of onion layer shells within the star. Each shell fuses a different element, with the outmost shell fusing hydrogen and the next shell fusing helium, and so on. The final stage is reached when the massive star begins producing iron. Since iron nuclei are more, more tightly bound than any heavier nuclei, any fusion beyond iron does not produce a net release of energy. The process would, on the contrary, consume energy. Likewise, since they are more tightly bound than all lighter nuclei, energy cannot be released by fission. In relatively old, very massive stars, a large core of inert iron will accumulate in the center of the star. The heavier elements in these stars can work their way to the surface, forming evolved objects known as Wolf-Rayet stars that have a denser stellar wind which sheds the outer atmosphere. As a star core shrinks, the intensity of radiation from that surface increases, creating such radiation pressure on the outer shell of gas that it will push those layers away 
forming a planetary nebula. If what remains after the outer atmosphere has been shed is less than 1.4 solar masses, it shrinks to a relatively tiny object about the size of Earth, known as a white dwarf. It is not massive enough for further gravitational compression to take place. The electron degenerate matter inside of a white dwarf is no longer plasma, even though the stars are generally referred to as being spheres of plasma. Eventually, white dwarfs will fade into black dwarfs over a very long period of time. In large stars, fusion continues until the iron core has grown so large, more than 1.4 solar masses, that it can no longer support its own mass. This core will suddenly collapse as its electrons are driven into protons, forming neutrons, neutrinos, and gamma rays in a burst of electron capture and inverse beta decay. The shock wave formed by this sudden collapse causes the rest of the star to explode in a supernova. Supernova are so bright that they may briefly outshine the star's entire home galaxy when they occur within the Milky Way supernova have historically been observed by naked eye observers as new stars where none seemingly existed before most of the star's matter is blown away by the supernova explosion forming nebula such as the Crab Nebula. What remains will be a neutron star, which sometimes manifests itself as a pulsar or X-ray burster, or in the case of the largest stars, large enough to leave a remnant greater than roughly four solar masses, a black hole. In neutron stars, the matter is in a state known as neutron degenerate matter, with a more exotic form of degenerate matter, QCD matter, possibly present in the core. Within a black hole, the matter is in a state that is currently not understood. The blown-off layers of a dying star include heavy elements which may be recycled during new star formation. These heavy elements 
allowed the formation of rocky planets. The outflow from supernova and the stellar wind of large stars plays an important part in shaping the interstellar medium. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet.